Like the office they commemorate, presidential libraries are living institutions. Certainly it is my hope that the Reagan Library will become a dynamic intellectual forum where scholars interpret the past and policymakers debate the future. Welcome to a Reagan Forum, hosted by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. The Center for Public Affairs offers lectures and forums presenting perspectives on important public policy issues of the day from politicians, authors, members of the media, business and military leaders, and more. In this week's Reagan Forum podcast, we go back to our virtual event with Ava Schloss, which was held on June 12th, the birthday of Anne Frank. Ava is the stepsister of Anne. The virtual program covered the legacy of Anne Frank, as well as the promise Ava made to her brother, Heinz. Ava Schloss is an Austrian-English Holocaust survivor, memorist and stepdaughter of Otto Frank, the father of Margot and diarist Anne Frank. Ava speaks widely of her family's experiences during the Holocaust and is a participant in the USC Shoah Foundation's Visual History Archive Project to record video answers to be used as educational tools. After speaking publicly for years about Anne Frank, Ava remembered the promise she made to her brother Heinz when she was only 15 years old, while on a train to Auschwitz. She promised her brother that if he didn't survive, she would retrieve and display his paintings and poems. Heinz and their father died, and Ava and their mother survived. Unfortunately, we had technical difficulties while recording the event, and only about 15 minutes of the program remained usable, but we still thought it was important to share her story. Let's listen. Uh, so, Eva, you know, thank you for joining us. Can you please talk about what it was like in hiding and what it was like to be caught by the Nazis? The Nazis invaded our country, and things for the Jewish population became unbearable. So everybody tried to get away to, to emigrate, which was very difficult because most countries didn't want any refugees. But eventually we were able to go to, first to Belgium and then to Amsterdam. But unfortunately, the Nazis invaded that country as well, and so we had to go into hiding. After being captured by the Nazis, can you share your experiences with us? We were in hiding for two years when it was my 15th birthday and we were just sitting down to have a little special breakfast when there was a loud knock on the door and the <coughs> Nazis stormed in and went straight for my mother and me and took us away to be interrogated. At the Gestapo headquarters, they beat me up and wanted to know who had helped us all those two years when we were in hiding and as well about, about my brother. And so I realized they had my brother as well and my father. That was for me a terrible, terrible shock. And eventually they, they threw him in the cell where we were, and we realized this is the end for us. So as part of our exhibition, we have a World War II uh, German uh, World War II-era German train car on display. It's the exact type of train cars used to transport goods and people to the concentration camps. 
Um, can you talk about your specific experience being on those boxcars? The next day we were called up and we had to walk to the, to the station. There stood some peculiar trains. There were not ordinary passenger trains, but just empty cattle cars. We were quite in shock to go in there. There was nothing in it. There was only the floorboards and just stood two buckets. Uh, one was empty and in the other one there was some water. There was only a tiny little slit for air. The, the whole thing looked quite dark. And about 70, 80 people were pushed into this. There was definitely not enough room for everybody to sit, so many people had to stand. Eventually, when we were sort of used that we will go in such a terrible train, the train started to move. People didn't talk much. People were just thinking, what on earth is going to happen with us now? Um, my brother too, he didn't talk to anybody. I could see he was very, very worried and upset. Eventually, we sat on the floor and started to talk with each other. My father apologized to us that from now on he won't be able to protect us. There were some elderly people who kept saying, oi, 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 which was actually quite depressing. Towards the end of the day, the doors were open and pieces of bread were thrown in. That seems to be all we were going to get. And the, uh, and the, the bucket, which was for toilets, was removed and changed. That nobody spoke to us, told us where we were going. After several days of a terrible journey, the train stopped and we heard a lot of commotion. Um, eventually, the doors were open and we saw that there was a big sign and it said Auschwitz. So we realized this was our destination, a death camp. The next command was that we had to separate men and women to different sides. So my father came to us and he took me by the hands and said, Eva, Eva, yeah, God will protect you. And he kissed me. That was the last thing I've seen from him. And he and Heinz walked a different direction. The men went to Auschwitz and we were in Birkenau. Those were two different camps quite near from each other. The next command was that all the women had to stand in rows of five. And then this Dr. Mengele appeared and he looked at every row and of people and decided right or left. We realized that children and young people were going to one side and, and elderly people and the 
people sort of who looked quite healthy and middle-aged and youngish uh, were taken to the other side. My mother and me were taken to the better side, we thought. Uh, if a woman had a child on her arm, they had to give it to an older woman and the child went with the older woman and the woman went to the other side. People were crying, people wanted to stay together, but they were not allowed to. And later we heard that all the people with the children and the older people were sent straight to the guest chambers and where we had come from. And then we were tattooed on our arm and they told us from now on you have no name. If ever we want you, we are going to call you out by your number. Then we had to go somewhere where our hair was completely shaved off of our head. And then we walked, we had to go outside, still completely naked, and there was a huge heap with clothes, which we were thrown one garment. It could have been a light dress or a winter coat. And the next thing, we were given two shoes, which was usually, of course, not a pair and not even fitting to you. More from our virtual event with Ava Schloss after this message. The Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation is the nonprofit organization created by President Reagan himself and specifically charged by him with continuing his legacy and sharing his principles, individual liberty, economic opportunity, global democracy, and national pride. We must remain vigilant and work together to share these conservative principles with younger generations. Your role is critical to move our mission forward. Thank you for your continued support. Please visit reaganfoundation.org give. That's reaganfoundation.org give. Now back to our event with Ava Schloss. And can you share what your experience in the camp was like? Every day we had to get up when it was still dark and we had to go outside and stand in rows of five, which was called appell because the whole camp had to be counted if the numbers were still all right. If somebody had died in a barrack, of course the number wasn't correct and it had to be recounted. So that took already about three hours every morning. Then we got our breakfast, which was just a little mug with some liquid. And then we were taken to different work commandos. Which we had to do for the first few weeks was to carry big boulders from one side of the camp to another place. Life in the camp was terribly, terribly hard. We were always starving, hungry, and, and dirty. We couldn't go to wash practically any time. Uh, we were full of lies, and, uh, and we could hardly ever sleep because it was, or it was too hot or too cold later in winter. We had no blankets, we were badly dressed, we were having no food, we had, it, it was just 
it was not meant to survive. My mother and me were very lucky that we ran across a cousin of my mother from Czechoslovakia, and she worked in the hospital and was able to get some extra medication sometimes and even sometimes some extra food. Now, this program is airing on June 12th, and June 12th is the birthday of Anne Frank, and you became Anne's stepsister, um, after she died, of course, when, your, when her father married your mother um, after the war. Um, but I actually believe you were friends with Anne prior to the war breaking out. Can you just share some stories about your, uh, what you remember about Anne? When we left Vienna and moved to Amsterdam, we, we moved into a square in modern Amsterdam's south. Um, that was an area where there was, well, quite a lot of Jewish refugees who had come, and it was uh, fashionable for the children to come and play after school outside in the open square. Um, so one day, uh, a girl came to me while I was standing there, seeing all the kids playing together, and she said, her name was Anna Frank, and she asked me where I came from, and when, she, when I told her I was from Vienna and I speak German, she said, oh, that's wonderful, I can take you to my apartment, and you can speak German with my dad. That is how I met Otto Frank and, and Anna's sister and mother. And so we became friends together. And um, Anna was very popular because she was a very good storyteller. After school, she always climbed on some steps and assembled a group of people and told some stories. Anna went to a Montessori school, not her older sister, so Otto must have realized that Anna needed a bit more attention. She was also already interested in boys, and when I told her I had a brother, she was very interested in meeting him, which he did, but he was not interested in the girl the age of his little sister. Father told me that he was always reading all the Dickens book with Anne and also Greek mythology, which Anne was very interested in. So you've spent most of your post-war life talking about the life and legacy of Anne Frank, but I know it's been very important to you to share the story of your brother Heinz, because when you were on the boxcar headed to Auschwitz with him, you made him a promise that if he didn't survive the war, if he did not survive the Holocaust, you would find his paintings that he had hidden in the floorboards of the house. Can you share that story? He said, Eva, I must tell you something. Uh, before we left, it's from the last hiding place, we hid our paintings under the floorboard, and as well the poetry I wrote, is all in the floor, under the floor, and with a note on it, this belongs to Heinz and Eric Geiger, and after the war, we are going to come and pick it up again. So please, 
When you bake it, I'm sure you will be all right. Then go and pick it up for me, because for me that is very, very important that people will see what I have created. Now, I do want to apologize to our viewing audience. We had a lot of technical difficulties during this video, um, trying to get the connection between us and the United Kingdom, and the rest of the program did not record. She does go into a lot more depth, a uh, lot more in depth about her brother Heinz, and you can actually learn that story by watching the documentary called Eva's Promise, which is all about her promise to her brother and what she's done in her later years of life to make sure she keeps that promise. So I want to thank you all for joining us. It was an honor for me to be able to speak with Eva. And um, we are doing other Auschwitz not long ago, not far away programming. So we hope you stay tuned for those as well. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. This program was in conjunction with our recently opened exhibition, Auschwitz, not long ago, not far away. No book, no podcast, nor history lesson can prepare you for the power and impact that this collection of artifacts holds. You can learn more about our exhibition at reaganlibrary.com Auschwitz. To find a listing of all upcoming events, including our events related to our Auschwitz exhibition, please visit reaganfoundation.org events. Thank you for listening. For more information on the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute, including information on how to become a member, information on upcoming exhibits at the Reagan Library, and more information on the legacy of President Reagan, please visit reaganfoundation.org. And don't forget to like and follow the Reagan Foundation on all social media platforms. Until next week, thanks for listening, and God bless you. Don't forget to subscribe to A Reagan Forum podcast in your iTunes or Google Play stores and on other podcast platforms as they become available. New episodes of A Reagan Forum come out every Thursday, like what you hear? Check out our Words to Live By podcast, featuring radio addresses and speeches Ronald Reagan delivered from the 1960s through the 1980s. New episodes drop every Tuesday. And don't forget to follow at Ronald Reagan on Facebook, at Ronald Reagan on Twitter, and Reagan Foundation on YouTube. Also, search for us on SoundCloud and Stitcher.